0: Long History, Jacques Cartier, Journey 1, Part 4, Quebec to Saint-Malo, the people, the food, and the return home. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History and this is the final part of the first journey by Jacques Cartier. We're covering three of Jacques Cartier's journeys from France in the 1530s, over to the Atlantic coast of North America, and then we're following him as he explores areas such as the Gulf of St. Lawrence and then the St. Lawrence River, exploring lands that would eventually be taken over by the French and then would become the Canadian province of Quebec, also including explorations of other Atlantic provinces. It's quite difficult to follow the precise details of this first journey of Jacques Cortier but he appears to have sailed clockwise around the Gulf of St. Lawrence, heading down the northwest coast of Newfoundland toward Prince Edward Island, then up to New Brunswick and up to Quebec. And that's where we find him at the beginning of this episode. Before we get started, there's lots to explore now on Long History. This is the first French explorer we've covered, but we've done plenty of other European explorers, mostly from Portugal, Spain and England so far. So if you're interested, those are available on your podcast provider or they're all gathered together on longhistory.net. Okay, so here we go with Jacques Cartier's Journey One, Part 4. Quebec to St. Malo. The people, the food and the return home. Upon Magdalene's day, we, with our boats, went to the bank of the river and freely went on shore among them. Whereat they made many signs, and all their men in two or three companies began to sing and dance, seeming to be very glad of our coming. They had caused all the young women to flee into the wood, two or three excepted that stayed with them, to each of which we gave a comb and a little bell made of tin, for which they were very glad, thanking our captain, rubbing his arms and breasts with their hands when the men saw us give something unto those that had stayed, it caused all the rest to come out of the wood, to the end that they should have as much as the others. These women are about twenty, who altogether in a knot fell upon our captain, touching and rubbing him with their hands, according to their manner of cherishing and making much of one, who gave to each of them a little tin bell. Then suddenly they began to dance and sing many songs, there we found great store of mackerels, that they had taken upon the shore, with certain nets that they made to fish, of a kind of hemp that groweth in that place, where ordinarily they abide, for they never come to the sea, but only in fishing time. As far as I understand, there groweth likewise a kind of millet as big as on, like unto that which groweth in Brazil, which they eat instead of bread. They had great store of it. They call it in their tongue capaige. They also have prunes, that is to say damsons, which they dry for winter as we do. They call them onesta. They also have figs, nuts, apples and other fruits and beans that they call sahu, their nuts kaheya. If we showed them anything that they have not, nor know what it is, shaking their heads they will say, Nota, which is as much to say, They have it not, nor they know it not. Of those things they have, they would with signs show us how to dress them, and how they grow. They eat nothing that hath any taste of salt. They are very great thieves, for they will filch and steal whatsoever they can lay hold of, and all is fish that cometh to net how our men set up a great cross upon the point of the said port, and the captain of those wild men, after a long oration, was by our captain appeased, and contented that two of his children should go with him. Upon the twenty-fifth of the month, we caused a fair high cross to be made of the height of thirty foot, which was made in the presence of many of them, upon the point of the entrance of the said haven, in the midst whereof we hanged up a shield with three fleur-de-lis in it, and in the top was carved in the wood, with antique letters, this posy, Vieux le Roi de France. Then before them all we set it upon the said point. They with great heed beheld both the making and setting of it up. So soon as it was up we altogether kneeled down before them, with our hands toward heaven, yielding God thanks. And we made signs unto them, showing them the heavens, and that all our salutation dependeth only on him which in them dwelleth. Whereat they showed a great admiration, looking first one at another, and then upon the cross. And after we were returned to our ships, their captain, clad with an old bear skin, with three of his sons, and a brother of his with him, came unto us in one of their boats, but they came not so near us as they were wont to do. There he made a long oration unto us, showing us the cross we had set up and making a cross with two fingers. Then did he show us all the country about us, as if he would say that all was his, and that we should not set up any cross without his leave. His talk being ended, we showed him an axe, feigning that we would give it to him for his skin to which he listened for by little and little he came near to our ships one of our fellows that was in our boat took hold of theirs and suddenly leapt into it with two or three more who enforced them to enter into our ships whereat they were greatly astonished but our captain did straightways assure them that they should have no harm nor any injury offered them at all and entertained them very friendly, making them eat and drink. Then did we show them with signs that the cross was but only set up to be as a light and leader which ways to enter into the port, and that we would shortly come again and bring good store of iron wares and other things, but that we would take two of his children with us, and afterward bring them to the said port again. And so we clothed two of them in shirts and coloured coats with red caps, and put about everyone's neck a copper chain, whereat they were greatly contented. Then gave they their old clothes to their fellows that went back again, and we gave to each one of those three that went back a hatchet and some knives, which made them very glad. After these were gone, and had told the news unto their fellows, In the afternoon there came to our ships six boats of them, with five or six men in every one, to take their farewells of those two we had detained to take with us, and brought them some fish, uttering many words which we did not understand, making signs that they would not remove the cross we had set up. How, after we were departed from the said port, following our voyage along the said coast, we went to discover the land lying south-east and north-west. The next day, being the twenty-fifth of the month, we had fair weather, and went from the said port. And being out of the river, we sailed east northeast east for after the entrance into the said river, the land is environed about, and maketh a bay in manner of half a circle, where, being in our ships, we might see all the coast sailing behind which we came to seek, the land lying south-east and northwest, the course of which was distant from the river about twenty leagues. Of the Cape St. Alois and Cape Memorancy, and certain other lands, and how one of our boats touched a rock and suddenly went over it. On Monday being the 27th of the month, about sunset, We went along the said land, as we have said, lying south-east and north-west, till Wednesday, that we saw another cape, where the land beginneth to bend toward the east. We went along about fifteen leagues, then doeth the land begin to turn northward. About three leagues from the said cape we sounded, and found twenty-four fathom water. The said lands are plain, and the fairest and most without woods that we have seen, with goodly green fields and meadows. We named the said cape San Luís Cape, because that was his day. It is forty-nine degrees and a half in latitude, and in longitude, not in the text. On Wednesday morning, we were on the east side of the cape, and being almost night, we went north-westward, for to approach near to the said land, which trendeth north and south. From San Luis Cape to another called Cape Memorancy, about fifteen leagues the land beginneth to bend northwest. About three leagues from the said Cape we would need sound, but we could find no ground at one hundred and fifty fathom. Yet went we along the said land about ten leagues to the latitude of fifty degrees. The Saturday following, being the first of August, by sunrising. We had certain other lands lying north and northeast that were very high and craggy, and seemed to be mountains, between which were other low lands with woods and rivers. We went about the said lands as well on the one side as on the other, still bending north-west, to see if it were either a gulf or a passage, until the fifth of the month. The distance from one land to the other is about fifteen leagues. The middle between them both is fifty degrees and a terse in latitude. We had much ado to go five miles further. The winds were so great and the tide against us. And at five miles end we might plainly see and perceive land on both sides, which there beginneth to spread itself. But because we rather fell than got way against the wind, we went toward land, purposing to go to another cape of land lying southward, which was the farthermost out, into the sea, that we could see, about five leagues from us. But so soon as we came thither, we found it to be naught else but rocks, stones and craggy cliffs, such as we had not found anywhere since we had sailed southward from St John's Cape. And then was the tide with us, which carried us against the wind westward, so that, as we were sailing along the said coast, one of our boats touched a rock, and suddenly went over. But we were constrained to leap out, for to direct it on according to the tide. How, after we had agreed and consulted what was best to be done, we purposed to return, and of St. Peter's Strait, and of Cape Tienot. After we had sailed along the said coast for the space of two hours, behold, the tide began to turn against us, with so swift and raging a course, that it was not possible for us with thirteen oars to row or get one stones cast further, so that we were constrained to leave our boats with some of our men to guard them, and ten or twelve men went ashore to the said cape, where we found that the land beginneth to bend south-west, which, having seen, we came to our boats again, and so to our ships, which were still ready under sail, hoping to go forward. But for all that, they were fallen more than four leagues to leeward from the place where we had left them, where, so soon as we came, we assembled together all our captains, masters and mariners, to have their advice and opinion what was best to be done and after that everyone had said, considering that the easterly winds began to bear away and blow, and that the flood was so great that we did but fall, that there was nothing to be gotten, and that storms and tempests began to rain in Newfoundland, and that we were so far from home, not knowing the perils and dangers that were behind, for either we must agree to return home again, or else to stay there all the year. Moreover, we did consider that if the northern winds did take us, it were not possible for us to depart thence. All which opinions being heard and considered, we, altogether determined to address ourselves homeward. Now because upon St Peter's Day we entered into the said strait, we named it St Peter's Strait. We sounded it in many places, in some we found one hundred and fifty fathom water, in some one hundred, and near the shore sixty, and clear ground. From that day till Wednesday following we had a good and prosperous gale of wind, so that we trended the said north shore east, south-east, west, northwest. For such is the situation of it, except one cape of lowlands that bendeth more toward the southeast about 25 leagues from the strait. In this place we saw certain smokes that the people of the country made upon the said cape, but because the wind blew us toward the coast we went not to them, which, when they saw, they came with two boats and twelve men unto us, and as freely came unto our ships as if they had been Frenchmen, and gave us to understand that they came from the great gulf and that Tienot was their captain, who then was upon that cape, making signs unto us that they were going home to their countries whence we were come with our ships, and that they were laden with fish. We named the said cape Cape Tienot. From the said cape all the land trendeth east-south-east, and west-north-west. All these lands lie low, very pleasant, environed with sand, where the sea is intermingled with marshes and shallows, the space of twenty leagues. Then doth the land begin to trend from west to east northeast, altogether environed with islands two or three leagues from land, in which, as far as we could see, are many dangerous shells more than four or five leagues from land. How that, upon the ninth of August, we entered within White Sands, and upon the 5th of September... We came to the port of Saint Malo. From the said Wednesday until Saturday following, we had a great wind from the south west, which caused us to run east-northeast. On which day we came to the easterly parts of Newfoundland, between the Granges and the Double Cape. There began great stormy winds coming from the east with great rage. Wherefore we coasted the Cape North-Northwest to search the northern part which is, as we have said, all environed with islands. And being near the said islands and land, the wind turned into the south, which brought us within the said gulf, so that the next day being the ninth of August, we, by grace of God, entered within the white sands. And this is so much as we have discovered. After that, upon the 15th of August, being the feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, after that we had heard service, we altogether departed from the port of White Sands, and with a happy and prosperous weather we came into the middle of the sea that is between Newfoundland and Brittany, in which place we were tossed and turmoiled three days long with great storms and windy tempests coming from the east, which, with the aid and assistance of God, we suffered. Then had we fair weather and upon the 5th of September in the said year we came to the port of St Malo, whence we departed. So the first journey has been eventful, taking place between the 20th of April 1534 and the 5th of September in the same year. They're taking two of the local children with them home, with the expectation that they'll return and use that cross they set up as a marker. There have been some perils along the way, including when that ship touched a rock and suddenly went over and there have been great storms and ultimately with the tides and weather against them they decide to make a break for it and return home before the winter sets in. It's particularly noticeable how carefully Cartier documents the fact that everyone's opinions have been heard and consulted and that together everyone agreed to return home. The careful way in which this is worded perhaps betrays the purpose of this document although I don't actually know but this is certainly the kind of write-up you give to your boss making sure that you've followed the rules and dotted the i's and crossed the t's. So that's the end of the first journey, the next one will start in the next episode and in the next journey Cartier heads up the Saint Lawrence river particularly entering the areas of today's Quebec City and Montreal and meeting the people who lived there at the time. So thank you for listening to this episode if you've liked it please do give it a like and share it if you can to help promote long history we like to make the sources of history more accessible to people and give you the very earliest versions of history so that rather than reading those digested versions of history you get the whole detail and can judge for yourself what actually happened on these journeys thank you for listening everyone this was Jacques Cartier journey 1.4 we back to St Malo, the people, the food and the return home.